Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast, your personal echo chamber of hating everything and liking nothing. I am your host, John. Here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. Today we're going to talk about Horizon Forbidden West, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, and Elden Ring. I thought I was going to come up with something funny to say about Destiny 2, but I couldn't. I was going to just call it The Tooken. Um, that's all I got. I'm not funny tonight. Before we get to all that, if you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check it out. M- I'm sorry, MidwestGamers.com slash links. I'm not to the Patreon part yet. I was about to list the Patreon. That's important, too. The Midwest Podcast Network now is Patreon. The Patreon is meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. Help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out. MPN.BZ slash Patreon. Thanks again to JCK, Tom Z, Chris K, Alan K, Dave Steele, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is you get early access to your bonus episodes that we call side quests. You get to also see awesome pictures of David Steele's pizzas. They show up in the Discord. Side quests are goofy episodes where we talk about food, drink, other adventures we go on, other than video games, for the most part. Yeah, as always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGamers at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitch, as well as rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Missed a few words in some of that intro. Um, it's okay. Going kind of fast, feeling kind of tired. Mouth's kind of dry because I ate a bunch of chocolate. It uh, it just is what it is. So, that being said, Alex, any bumpers for the network? Yes. The Horror Movie Your Book Boys just did a uh, uh, one of their episodes on House of the Devil, the Ty West film from uh, the early 2010s, I believe. So please go check that out. They also had a side quest talking about some of the big movie trailers that played during the uh, side quest. It's a tiny, tiny terror, terror in their parlance. Ours um, are side quests. Yes. They talked about some of the trailers that aired during the Super Bowl, including uh, uh, the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness trailer, uh, which is directed by Sam Raimi, so something they're both very interested in. Um, and yeah, so check that out. They are heading back into the 50s, I believe, to talk about some hammer horror. I can't remember which movie it is. I think it's a Christopher Lee movie. So please check that out this Friday. And um, they also did a multimedium, the most ambitious multimedium yet, where they talked about uh, Alien 3 in several of its incarnations, which includes the film, the book, and a radio play of a different version of the script. So please check that out. And then there's other versions that they also talk about. Please check that out. Uh, Next time they're going to be talking about Mega Man and its adaptation into the music form by the Proto Men. So please give that a listen when that comes out. Get playing. They're going to play the first three Mega Man games. That'll be a fun one. Yes. So please uh, start playing those if you want to play along and listen to some Proto Men music. And uh, you can you you too can be converted into a Proto Men fan by Willie Gibbs because that's what he does and he's good at it. Hell yeah. That's about it. Yep. Awesome. Um, I think we've all been just playing a bunch of the stuff that we're going to talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's we it. Dive, we want to dive into it? We can do that. Brian, start with Destiny, because you're the only one who's played that. Wait a second. Destiny! 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 You're the same game you used to be. 
I just want to say, uh, last time I played that, you guys didn't hear it because of the noise canceling. And then I said it was going to be funny for the people listening. And then but you then didn't I put it in. I forgot to edit it in. <laughs> I was going to call you out on that, but I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to let it go. He's got a lot of things happening right now. I remembered uh, shortly thereafter, so hopefully this one will make up for it if I remember to put it in. I could hear anyway, most Brian, of it this time, so. I turned off the noise suppression. So nice. The noise canceled, I also yeah. refrained from laughing into the microphone to dominate the uh, audio, so. <laughs> Anyways, Brian. Yeah. How is the Tooken? It's it's the Witch Queen, actually. <laughs> um, it is the pretty damn the good, huh? honestly. The huh, Prince? Um, definitely the most ambitious expansion campaign that they've ever made, for sure. Like, m- more than the Taken King? Yes. Um, okay. In all aspects, I would say, like the the area that they give you, the new um, throne world area that you get to explore is pretty extensive. Um, and the campaign length is, I feel like it was pretty long, at least playing on Legendary, because they actually have a difficulty modifier now, where you can play it on Classic or Legendary. And Legendary gives you extra loot, of course, and gives you an armor set and an exotic at the end of the campaign, if you manage to make it through every single mission on Legendary. then it Basically, it kind of uh, puts your power level up. A notch above where you would be if like, you played it on normal. Kind of like the the strike modifier stuff from olden days. Kinda. Um, they didn't. One thing I really like about it, though, is like the they really. I feel like they really tuned the difficulty to be like challenging but fair, which I feel like they don't do in a lot of their activities they just you know add modifiers that make things not fun and frustrating like they're doable but they're it's just like banging your head against the wall it just makes things take longer it's like you know you're gonna do it but it's it's just gonna take forever but this actually felt like a a sweet spot where you kind of had to use you had to think about what gear you're going to use once in a while and like strategize if you were playing with somebody else. I played through with one other person and um yeah, I mean, it it, it was pretty cool. Like I it's hard to explain and for entirely like what's different about it compared to the older campaigns, but I guess um can I ask, is this the is this the expansion where they were kind of touting the idea that you would be fighting people that are meant to be more like guardians rather than just uh, monsters? Like, you're, you're meant to be fighting people that are more like the player characters with actual intelligence was kind of the idea? Or was that, did that happen earlier? And this is just continuing on that. No, that was this um, expansion that okay. they were talking about. That basically delayed, but they there are now 
This isn't really a spoiler since they spoiled all this stuff before the damn game was released, um, which is a complaint I have. They they give away too much of the uh, the story before it's even out, you know? And they, ha- it, they have to. Even if you're somebody that doesn't watch trailers, you're going to accidentally see something about this at some point, I feel, if you well, follow it's Destiny. Only, it's, but it's the only place they can tell you the story is in the trailer. That Actually, that's not true. But, um... Sorry, old joke. They, uh, <laughs> basically the hive have figured out a way to use the light. And so there are hive like guardians, basically that you fight and they're light bearing guard or hive. And so every time you kill them, you have to quickly destroy their ghost as well. And if you mm-hmm. don't, then they come right back. And they use supers and stuff like Guardians do. They're obviously not as smart as like playing players in PvP or something, but yeah, it's it's an improvement. You have to think about things more. It gets you out of like trying to ju- like a lot of difficult activities. You it results in you just kind of sitting back and you know chipping away at like a boss's health forever without really moving much. And they, this kind of forces you to be mobile kind of all the time because you have to be in close to, to finish off these uh, guardian-type creatures. Um, but since you mentioned the story, the story is actually really good this time around. It's actually... It's it's really pretty well put together, I feel like. They... It's it's relatively easy to follow, even though it's like a weird story that if you did follow the lore that, you know, wasn't actually in the Destiny game. And it, well, it is, but in like text and stuff, if you followed all of that, you would know a lot of the stuff going on in this campaign kind of ahead of time. But for somebody like me that doesn't read all that stuff, it was nice to see it unfold in a more cinematic way. So um, is it is it cutscenes and like voiceovers? Yes, yeah, yeah. the main okay, mm-hmm. lots of that. And um, I guess the other thing that's I felt was pretty different about it is they I feel like they um, made more combat arena type areas, which like they used like Bungie used to do with Halo, um, which is fun. It gives you like a little more freedom to approach a situation like they would there would be an area where you had to take out like three different like mini bosses or something to progress to the next area but you could kind of do it in any order you wanted but we've like we kind of figured out that there was a better order to it if you'd kind of started like top to bottom and made it made it easier but it doesn't force you to do it in any specific way and they did a lot of that which is cool like i like that type of thing. They probably learned a bit from um, Doom Eternal as far as just mm. kind of like letting you loose in an area, but keeping it sort of structured and then, you know, progressing Rather to the next. Just hallways and kill rooms. Exactly. And and it's it's, rooms, it's yeah. a lot more fun this way. That That's definitely a big change. Um, and they didn't, like a lot of the campaigns prior, they would kind of, 
make you stop like halfway through and do patrols for like three fucking hours to <laughs> be at the proper power level to do the next mission. There was none of that this time. Like you could just go through the whole thing, but playing on legendary, I feel like took us, uh, over six hours for sure. I would say, I mean, I'm sure better players did it quicker than that, but there are definitely some parts that we had to retry several times, but there's like a pretty good amount of checkpoints. And then on legendary, the checkpoints stick to where like, if you have to quit for the day and you start it up again, you'll be at that same checkpoint. You don't have to restart the whole mission. If it's like a two hour long mission or something, you know, that's cool. A little easier to pick up and put down. Yeah. The other big thing they added was, uh, weapon crafting and they added a new weapon type called a glaive, which is like a melee and ranged weapon and also has a defensive shield mechanism. It's like a saw blade you can throw. Um, kind of. no, not exactly. It shoots. Oh, it's like an energy burst that comes out of it. Um, it does look like an actual glaive, but, uh, okay. it's, it's interesting at first. I didn't really like it, but then once you understand the mechanics of it more and the fact that you can block damage while firing and hitting things and stuff. And then after that, you get like the whole slew of mods unlocked from the like seasonal artifact as you level up. And those mods synergize with the glaive a lot this season, and you can like set up some pretty crazy character builds with just that. And also, they redid the entire void class, um, which is super cool. It's extremely powerful now. Like you can, if you play your cards right, you can clear out like a whole room if your super's up, at least. Yeah, I don't know how that's faring in PvP though. It's probably horribly unbalanced right now. But had it, it is... been nerfed previously or something, or, <sighs> or like not was really. It, it, but the balance was thrown off by the stasis. Yeah, the addition of stasis, right? The the fourth subclass. When they added stasis, they changed the way the subclass worked to where it was like customizable, and um, also. Because of that, a side effect is kind of a bit more powerful, I feel, than the other classes. But now they're going through and giving every old subclass the stasis treatment, basically, to where there's a lot of customization options, and they can build upon it in the future by adding, like, new... You basically pick from a handful of things and just slot them in, and some of them cost more than others, like say you so get like that, like you can you can start using the different melees from the different versions of the subclasses and like um, with different the, grenades the, and stuff like that. Or not the melees. Uh, they did give all the grenades to like every class though. There's, so there's okay. like seven different void grenades you can pick from from for every class now instead of just three. Nice. Um, so that is also really cool. And they changed the mechanics of some of them, like the, the classic vortex grenade, like that was even in D1, how it was just like a lame purple sphere of damage, you know? Now it mm. actually draws enemies in. Nice. And uh, that's super useful. Um, 
What else was I going to say? Oh, the, the class or the uh, weapon crafting thing, I would say, is the biggest letdown so far of the new stuff. Um, think, yeah, the campaign kind of exceeded my expectations in some parts, especially with some like one of the story twists I thought was super cool, but uh, um, and just where it it looks like the Destiny story is going to go in the future should be pretty fun. But uh, the the weapon crafting is very limited right now. There's only like a handful of specific weapons you can craft. And in order to be able to craft them at all, you have to find them out in the world or like through an activity. And the drop rate's all fucked up right now, so you can barely ever get them through that activity. Nice. And then on top of that, there's like... it's whole it's a whole nother economy of resources um and the the caps are kind of low on them so it's like you kind of basically forces you to either it's i don't want to get into all that but it's it's as a need, system like work. actually crafting a weapon it works fine it just right now i don't see much of a point Cause you waste more time and energy. I feel trying to uh, craft a weapon and it doesn't even seem that much better. If any better at all than like a good random roll. So yeah, I just, I never understood crafting in a game like this because I feel like the stuff you get that they actually put in the game purposefully was always like pretty awesome. Especially like if we go back to like D one, all the dead orbit, like scout rifles and shit were like dope. And like, you're never going to craft something that cool, <laughs> you know, or, like, if, or if you can, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's like, I remember anytime I'd get firefly on something, I'd be like, okay, I should use this because firefly is great. And then, but well, I feel like you'd still like the drop when the drop rates high enough and you get a wide variety of different things. It's kind of like, you don't necessarily need crafting, but I don't, well, I'm also, well, and, n- and even having a, a game where like you have weapons that are tied to lore, like specifically mm. like mm-hmm. why even include crafting like i don't know you know True. what i mean so i, I well if the story if the story's actually that, in cinematics and and stuff then maybe the weapons aren't as inherently tied to the lore yeah so i am watching I like know. one of the trailers here for, for the game there's this really sweet looking um c3po sort of guardian that's like pretty dope um <laughs> and uh they were showing off how they were doing motion capture in the in one of the dude's garages, like during pandemic <laughs> times, to like get this going. Like I, I gotta give them a little bit of credit for that. You know, that, that's pretty that's rad awesome. that they're able to do that. Like, yeah. How was the how was the launch? Was it smooth? That's another thing. This is by far the smoothest launch outside of smallest player base they've ever had so (laughs) no probably not as far as i statistically as far as i know like it the game's still doing well it has a large player base especially with the fact that you can play it for free outside of the expansions i'd be really curious to see that data over the last Years. I do believe oh, even cool. free to play players still get to free roam the new areas that they add. That's cool. So there's there's that's still fun your, to be had. Your, it's nice to see new stuff. Um the first taste is free. Yeah. I still have plenty of even though I finished the campaign per usual, I have plenty of other things to do. There's like a whole nother 
slew of like after campaign story missions and there's like exotic missions and all this stuff. Is there like a new raid or anything? There is. Um, I can't remember if it's available this weekend or the weekend after. I want to see the weekend after. I guess I could look that up. But um, I assume they're still still doing the like, oh, there's some new story stuff this week, and then they'll do the raid, and then maybe the raid will change something in the world, kind of like they have been doing. Yeah, in the past a little bit, but but the the launch was really solid. Everything worked. Like I didn't get kicked to orbit constantly. The servers weren't down. Um, I heard some people were in a queue at first, like when they tried they, to get on at like noon. But the the servers got, were still technically in maintenance until two. Hmm. So the fact that they, they got that Sony money now. Yeah, I didn't have any issues. I, I got like, kicked like to orbit in free roam like once, and that was it. And Yo, Sony, fire up them PlayStation Now blades. Run in with the cell processor technology and give us some more Destiny servers. Yeah. And they did it. I'm like trying to Cr- dig up all the active player counts and stuff. Cricket, cricket noise. I'm not Sorry. on the same page. It's okay. Anyway, are there any other big thoughts, Brian, on Destiny? The, I'm sure you'll be playing more in the weeks to come. Okay, as the well. the raid does start March 5th. Okay, that's cool. So this Saturday. Yeah. Nice. How much was the was it 39.99 for like the? I don't know because I bought some yeah, crazy 30, deluxe version. The deluxe edition was seventy nine ninety nine, and the Bungie thirtieth anniversary bundle was a hundred dollars. Okay, nice. I got the, the base, really fancy the one, but I got a discount on it, so it was like thirty nine ninety nine. Well, cool. I hope. Uh, did that come out on Stadia too? That's my question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Brian, you're the Destiny correspondent. Well, I'm not a Stadia correspondent at all. I don't follow Stadia. I'm I'm really interested to just see where this game goes. Like, once they complete the life cycle of it, like, at 10 years or whatever, like, what happens to the whole game? And, I mean, it's not... You can you go back and play D1? I don't think you can. I think it's still live. I never heard about it being... A discontinued service. So. Like, I would be interested in knowing, like, how they tie it all together, and then, like, what do they do with it? I don't think it? they like, do, though, because there's a big hole in Destiny 2 with all the vaulted stuff that you can't touch. So I, that's what I'm kind of like, getting at, is, like, how do, how, do we, how do they take this game and move forward with it, or at least preserve it somehow? Like, is it even possible because of the style of vaulting specific areas and items and things? Like... I, it's just it's an interesting concept altogether, and in general, as an ex Destiny addict, uh, you know, I still do think this game has some of the coolest lore of any game ever. It's unfortunate that it was presented so poorly to begin with. So I'm actually really looking forward to hopefully seeing Sony do something with it cinematically. And I don't think they would have to do much. I think the animation technology they've used for the game already is good enough in terms of fidelity. 
and they could literally just take the entire all of the voice acting they already have for all of the actors minus you know Peter Dinklage cuz clearly he got wiped out pretty early <laughs> on but they could literally take the entire voice acting from everyone else Lance Reddick uh Gina Torres Nathan Fillion everyone else involved and just make a show using them for like cutscenes between and have a whole show focused on a fire team performing the actions of the story of they the just, game. They just hire Pedro Pascal to voice the Guardian and uh Yeah. And he does his adventures and then he comes back and talks to you know the him Destiny I don't one Eddie scenes. could be anybody. I mean they would probably hire one actor to play all three voices just to save money, but I feel like that is something that I would really love to see, even if it's just rehashing old animation. I mean, that's the thing is like they could use the same motion capture stuff they did for everything and just reskin it so it looks cohesive because Destiny did change its aesthetic with every update, basically, from the beginning moving forward. So I would love to see that happen. I don't know if it ever will, but... As much as I shit on Destiny as a game, I do think it has a lot of great content as a creative outlet. So, props to everybody involved in that. Props to everybody involved in the game. I had a lot of fun when I played it. I just I feel like at this point, I'm so lost as to what it is, and they've removed a lot of what I liked, so I'm not really interested in playing it anymore. So Yeah. Just my two cents. You wouldn't really notice what they... What did they remove that you liked that... Just all... Like, all the vaulted stuff is, like, gone. And, like, just in general... I, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know because it it seems like I've just... I'm so out of the loop at this point that I just can't... I can't see myself getting back into it. I don't know. I, I don't know. To me, like, the vaulted content thing is... It's a bummer for the campaigns, I feel. But, like, as far as free roam areas go, I don't really notice. Well, yeah. I don't really care that much. But as, as somebody who wants to, like, pl- if I wanted to play through the whole cohesive story John from start to story. finish, I'm not able to do that. Yeah, that's, that's Like, you're missing true. large chunks of lore, you know? And you just have I, to look up some no commentary let's plays of the campaigns that aren't available anymore basically in all reality i would just have to listen to like my name is bife talk about destiny for probably something around 80 to 90 hours yeah so but because i mean he would get into all the other that's the thing is i used to listen to the destiny ghost stories podcast on the regular and like i loved it and then when destiny 2 came out they all kind of just gave up because mm-hmm. Destiny 2 kind of bombed when it launched. Like, it was fun for, like, the first couple days, and then everybody was like, this game actually fucking blows. Well, yeah, by and then, then nobody... you've had all the weapons drop, and th- there's no random rolls, so it was kind of, like, done. Yeah, so it was just... I don't know. It you know it It's not... It, I would like to see it kind of... If they're not going to figure out a way to actually vault this game and preserve it, then I'd be interested in having them actually do something with the story. And I think that might be where Sony comes in with their acquisition. So that's all. It certainly could happen. It seems like video games are the new comic books in terms of media properties to mine. Mm-hmm. So you got Square Enix coming. running the Marvel video game universe. So 
That's well, cool. They've been doing a great job at that. <laughs> With all yeah, these, I didn't pull that news item. These dollars, like, these dollar store versions of all the superheroes. Yeah, they they once again came out and were like, "Guardians of the Galaxy did not perform to our expectations," and then people were like, "Okay." Neither did Tomb Raider or Hitman or Avengers or any other Western game that Square Enix has released. Because none of them are Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'd, I'd be curious been, to know what their expectations actually exactly. are for any That's of that. That's what the question I guess. is. Like, what, what were, you, were you expecting it to be on the level of a Final Fantasy VII Remake? A literal, like, cult classic video game that, like, sparked the new generation back in the 90s? Like, Pretty much. It's, and... <laughs> In the funny thing is in explaining why their their uh their year over year had dropped after Guardians came out, they were like, Well, this wasn't like the previous year when we had releases like Final Fantasy Seven Remake and Marvel's Avengers, which they also came out and were like, like This was a failure. <laughs> so if you wanna like, use if you wanna use the Marvel like license, like do something cool with it, like give me a Daredevil VR game where I have to use like echolocation to see shit. Like you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Give me something crazy as fuck. Give me a dare give me a Wolverine well, VR game where I get to use the move controllers for my claws. Like Well, I, I we got know. the like, we got the XCOM devs making the Midnight Suns game, which uh looks to be interesting at least. And so, you know, who knows? It's one of those things just yeah. like Star Wars where I think they um Marvel's been making deals here and there, but hopefully Disney, more Disney's and more behind people, all of it. Well, yeah, Disney Disney's been making deals with just certain people for Star Wars stuff and now like EA's exclusivity is lapsing and there's more people making more interesting Star Wars games, so yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Destiny the Witch Queen out now. The token. More of it to be to be played and talked about later. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should check in with, with the Destiny Field correspondent at some point and see how he feels about it as well. Who, Corey? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't put it in the title, did you? No, I didn't, because I don't think anybody cares. Any- <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> nah, and that's the thing. Is like, I mean, I'm Elden interested Ring to hear how it is. It's really going to be discussed in more detail, I feel, next week, but that's fine. Whatever. Fair, but more people care about it right now. That's So we've right. got to get those downloads and then... And then be like, oh, guess what? We only talked about it for two minutes. All right. Guess what? We're going to talk about it for like two hours next time. Well, let's let John tell us about Elden Ring. So, Elden Ring is really awesome. I already don't give any shits about Dying Light 2 <laughs> at all. Like, I don't fucking care anymore, which sucks because I do like Dying Light. I'll probably go back to it at some point. Let's, uh, let's see here. Uh, gonna bring up. Uh, let's see. We got my calculator button's not working on my keyboard anymore. I just wanted to go ahead and let's see if we can divide uh, twenty divided by eight hundred hours. You played point zero two percent of the game. That's good. <laughs> Sweet. Wasn't it 500 hours? 500 maybe. I don't know. Okay, sorry. I can let me rerun my calculation here. Uh, 20 divided by 500, uh, 0.054. So, yeah, 4%, I think, is what the. Nice, nice. 
is where you're at there. So anyways, um, but before I fall asleep, because it's so late <laughs> on this Midwest Game Nerds After Dark episode, um, <laughs> so those not familiar with Soulsborne games, I hate that name, Soulsborne games. It's just If you're not familiar with Dark Souls... Uh, Dark it's, Souls, it's a, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro. Yeah, these games uh, are really great adventure RPGs where you're playing through uh, typical uh, tunnel-style areas where you're killing surprise monsters that are somehow slow but also very fast and dangerous at the same time. And uh, it's uh, you collect souls... And you use those souls to buy yourself level ups as well as other uh, consumables and things in the universe. Elden Ring is the same thing, but if you took it and you kind of threw it into Skyrim. So I see myself investing upwards of 800 hours into this game, (laughs) knowing how much I invested into Skyrim. I've been having dreams about this game since I started playing it Friday night because I find the world so engrossing and awesome, just like Skyrim, but it's Dark Souls. So it's stupid hard. It is so convoluted, and you have no clue what the fucking story is. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this one, it's even better because there's no mission log, so you just kind of go around and pick up quests not even knowing what they do or where they go or what they are i did get one quest that actually marked my map one quest (laughs) in my 14 hours of playing um it's a great game it's beautiful it runs great on the ps5 i know the pc has had some issues with frame drops and other craziness going on some hardware compatibility i'm assuming is the problem there uh, it's written in part by George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones fame. I have yet to see any boobies. <laughs> um, so that's a letdown. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, what he wrote. I heard you get to cuddle with somebody, though. You do get to cuddle. And what I learned today is when you cuddle with that person, they debuff you. So don't cuddle. It oh, requires energy. And they're stealing your heat. That's what they're doing. Yeah, she steals 5% of your max HP, just so you know. Oh, cool. Uh, So don't do the cuddle. It is not a good cuddle. Is it something where Um, it pays off later, where it's like... No, you you actually... It's a a debuff that you can only cure by using a consumable. (laughs) But they don't tell you. It just happens when it happens. Like, if you cuddle with the girl in the bed, she debuffs you, and she doesn't tell you, which is very realistic to most STDs. Um, they're often given without any recognition or acknowledgement, and then you suffer with the consequences later on. Uh, you know, in this case, you lose 5% of your max HP, which is more often than not uh, something that you're going to need in a boss fight in this game because that last 5% HP that you hang on to is literally the final hit, <laughs> the killing blow of the boss. And by the time you actually kill that boss, you do actually kind of like hit the knees and praise the sun. Like this dude in the chat, eight layer dip official said, did somebody say anything about praising the sun? I'm saying it right now, bro. Um, praise the sun. I killed that boss because I did not cuddle and I kept my 5% (laughs) HP. Um, the music's a little boring. I'm going to throw that out there. I don't really care for the music. I am probably going to turn it off and just play some death metal instead because I feel like it's more fitting. 
<laughs> um, beyond point. that, I am currently playing as the samurai because it is an open world game where you get to ride a horse, and I kind of wanted to relive Ghost of Tsushima in a different universe, so I'm doing that. I really like the samurai because it starts with a bow, and you get this Uchi Katana, which I have named my Gucci Katana. So, <laughs> is it really it's fancy? Great. It is so fancy. Mine's plus three right now. Um, it's it's uh, yeah, man. This game's dope. If you like Skyrim, if you like games that challenge you, if you like dungeon crawling and exploring and like just some crazy ass shit going on, this game's great. I've had two. I think they're scripted invasions where I have to fight somebody who's like a. I think I'm pretty sure. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure they are scripted invasions. For those who don't know. Other players can PvP you in the game randomly. You'll hear a noise, and then all of a sudden, someone in a, like a dark red glowing uniform shows up in your shit, and they will most likely fucking kill you. Like, that's yeah, pretty much how it goes. In this case, I was murdered by one of them, of the two that I fought, and the other one, like I said, I think is scripted, because when I fought this person... um. Like it just it ha- as I was like running down this random like area, like all of a sudden I just got locked in to the exp- the uh, encounter. We'll call it an encounter. I was locked in using the the foggy mist that they use mm-hmm. in Dark Souls games to keep you contained in a specific area, and I could not exit. And I fought this person and I killed them, and it was awesome. And I felt so proud of myself. So that was cool. I've the the biggest comparison I can make the, to this game with Skyrim is like there's a lot of little peppered dungeons all throughout that you kind of like run into and find as you're exploring, and in Skyrim a lot of the times you go into these dungeons there's a few different uh, we'll call it levels I suppose where you're going down further into the ground or a castle or something like that, and there's a few enemies here and there and here and you know all throughout and you're kind of stealthing your way through it. In this you can stealth, but a lot of the times in Dark Souls games like everything else is kind of stealthing you. And you're pretty much fucked, especially in a dungeon. So as you're, like, walking through it, things are popping out of the walls or falling from the ceiling because you weren't paying attention to any of that shit. You were just looking straight ahead. So that happens a lot. And the biggest difference between this and Skyrim with those dungeons is at the end of these dungeons, you get to fight a massive fucking boss that is probably going to kill you. And it's not even a main boss, but it's basically, like, every level in a Dark Souls game where you finally get to the end of, like, the the long pathway that you're on and you have to fight a boss. And it is equally as gratifying as any of the larger bosses you may fight to kill these mini-bosses. It feels so good. Oh, man, this game... I I, th- I thought I was having a heart attack last night when I was killing these <laughs> bosses. I thought, like, something was going on. It's some little bit of chest pain going on. Some, uh, you know, heavy breathing and things. I was like, oh, my God. I got done, and I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that kind of shit every single time. Um, This game's great, man. I love it. I love everything about it. I'm going to play it, like I said, 800-plus hours probably. I'm probably going to buy it on PC when they fix it um, because I want to see it on a really fancy-ass video card. Um, Yeah, it's sweet. Do they use the haptics of the DualSense at all? So... <laughs> it doesn't do it like Demon Souls does it. Unfortunately, mm. it doesn't. Demon Souls the remake did such a good job of using the Dual Sense controller. It would have been really nice to see Elden Ring do that. Um, I guess that's the difference between 
a studio doing a game for multiple platforms and one who's doing a single game for one platform and they really know that platform really well you know and it was it was it's paid for by sony they get to use right you know it was a launch title they wanted to show off the tech that kind of thing so in like We'll say 16 years when Blue Point redoes Elden Ring, I will probably also buy that <laughs> remake on the PlayStation 8. Okay. So. Sounds good. A ringing endorsement. Yeah. So I'm loving this. We did try the co op. It kind of sucks. So don't do co op. Um, huge waste yeah. of time. I expected it to be a little more fleshed out than it was in past games. And it turns out it's not. It's it's just easier to get it going immediately instead of it didn't like feel have, that like, easy to get going. I feel like we spent twenty minutes trying to figure it out. Like it should just be like a hey, let me join your game, but, okay? Yeah. And then you like, you know what I mean? Like it shouldn't. I know, I know they it's they tie it into like part of the lore of like bringing other tarnished into your tarnished realm or whatever the fuck like, and that's all cool and whatnot. But you know, just let me. Let me click join game and I join yeah, the game. Like, why does like it have a, to be like if, if the other a player no friend code to log in to play fucking yeah. Demon Souls and something? If the other yeah. player wants to like kick me from the game, then just let them kick me from the game, and they can use their little fancy bell to send me back to my realm or whatever. That's fine. But like when I want to get going with another <laughs> player, just let me let me hit join group and then we join groups and then we're we're having a good time. I think it's kind of a Japanese game developer thing, because I don't know, like... You, to you just make never... everything convoluted and annoying? Uh, well, the yeah. I mean, I don't know if you ever visited any islands in, uh, in Animal Crossing, but, like, it's excruciating the way that, like, if you're the person whose island is having a visitor, you have to stop everything that you're doing, you watch a cinematic where that person comes in... And then they go ahead and they walk in the gate and then you go back to what you were doing and then it's all fine and well or whatever. And then somebody wants to leave. Like if you're the person that wants to leave that island, you can't leave that island if the person who owns the island has a menu open or they're talking to somebody, that kind of thing. (laughs) And so it's just excruciating. And I think it's just a fundamental misunderstanding. It's like, it's, I don't know, with like American companies are just kind of like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Somebody just left your game. Sorry, dude. But, like, in Japan, they need to be like, hold on a second. We need to say goodbye to our visitor. <laughs> you know what it oh, is, okay. man? okay. I could see that. <laughs> you lack discipline. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's all, it's a patience thing, I think. Like, Americans just don't have patience for shit like this. And so, well, like. And, you know, the Nintendo friend code thing has always been like that. We want to honor the safety of, of the children that are playing our consoles and parental controls and blah, 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 blah. But, like this is demon souls and 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 elden ring like just just let me let me hop into a thing with somebody but you know i don't know it's not like games nowadays don't have problems with co-op and stuff like it's it's a hard problem to solve even though it's a thing that's been done since the playstation 3 and the xbox 360 and you know that type of thing so it's i and you know Still it's haven't not. played a better Listen. co-op game than Portal 2, I, I feel, but... If, yeah. If actual, that's pretty old now. Yeah. If actual cross-platform play is literally as easy as flipping a fucking Switch, I think they can figure this one out. <laughs> like, within platform, so. like, I don't think why they not? want to. I think that's the thing. Like, I think they make 
these experiences as single player games, but they just kind of add co-op in to make it a bit more approachable for people that are terrible at it. See, but like cross-platform play is like, hey, you have a game called Fortnite that's on all of these platforms. They all use, they all talk to the internet somehow. Let's have them all talk to each other to the internet the same way. Whereas like when you look at like Fortnite versus an Elden Ring, the code, like everybody's reinventing the wheel every single time. And I, how, obviously how, I'm not a game how developer. Is that, how is that more complicated than, hey, we're playing me, the same game. Let me, let me, let me jump get, into your world. Let me get to like, this because if you, it, you're like, Fortnite to Fortnite, Fortnite knows how Fortnite works. And if Fortnite knows how Fortnite works, then you can make Fortnite work with Fortnite, right? But like, yeah. say you are a developer that's not Epic Games, and you're like, I'm going to make a video game that has online components to it. Like, look at DICE. DICE forgot how to make leaderboards. They didn't have a leaderboard in a Battlefield game in 2022. Well, that, what the, happened? the whole reason that game failed was because that other game, Halo, came out at Halo the same came time. Halo came out, right? Yeah. So, so Halo's fault. The, Why did Halo have to be free? But, like, it's... Blame the, Bungie. They invented I, it. This is as somebody who has no experience programming video games, but I think I think everything is about a thousand times harder than anybody thinks it is. And so, you know, it's a miracle that Elden Ring works on a platform... And maybe we should just be thankful for it. I mean, I but. thought it was pretty impressive that we were running around together in that game because it's a huge open world. It's a bit different mm-hmm. than me going into your Bloodborne game or something, you know? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's but- a much bigger world. There's like two different people that can be in distinct parts of the world experiencing different things, but it needs to, they both need to be in sync with each other at the same time. Like, I think there's a lot How going on. How is that on. different than like any other like online co-op game? I just don't understand. I don't know. Again, I don't engineer well, video games either. Uh, I'm, I'm not even good at playing video games. I'm you terrible. You want to boot up Lego Marvel superheroes? That open world is maybe just not quite as technical as like say an Elden Ring is, but you know sure it's it's probably similarly difficult i don't know but anyway elden ring we're gonna talk more about it next time i did play a little bit of it my experience so far is that it feels like playing a dark souls game (laughs) (laughs) except that i get to run around with absolutely no direction whatsoever Versus at least having a, a bit of an idea where to go, like I Knowing used to. Knowing where forward is, yeah. as opposed to... I knew to go forward go. Well, no, like, to find the, the next bonfire, is, to find a ladder to drop down so I can get back to... Touches of Grace. Yeah, I know they're named the different, but it's the same damn thing. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> the funny thing that I was asking Brian while we were playing, like we were in voice chat first, I was trying to tell him how to find the horse, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like... He's like, where do I go to get the horse? I'm like, okay, I, I don't remember exactly like how to do this, but I think you have to go to this one church area, and then from there you go to this other campsite, and blah 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 blah. And I was like, look at the look at the the touch of grace, and do you see the beam of light like pointing you in a different direction? He's like, I see a beam of light pointing at the touch of grace. 
And the beam of light is the thing actually directing you. Like, it's telling you where to go. It's much mm-hmm. like in Ghost of Tsushima when you do the wind thing and the wind yeah. tells you which direction to go. But there's literally beams of light. Before you touch a bonfire or touch of grace, um, there's all these light swirls going around them. And once you actually touch it to use it as like a stopping point, save point, whatever, the beams of light swirling around it then point in a singular direction. They go one direction, and that's it. They don't swirl around anymore. They literally just point in a direction. If you look at your map, they point. They show you on the map what direction they're pointing in, too. That's great, Brian, but I hadn't watched like, the hour-long tutorial video that you did, so I didn't know this. <laughs> but the funny, the funny thing is, is just, like, pl- player perception of, like, do you see the beam of light emanating from the touch of grace pointing you in a specific direction and your response was i see a beam of light pointing at the the touch of grace so like from your standpoint it was pointing for you to go to the touch of grace not pointing from the touch of grace i found that hilarious i yeah my whole starting experience just wasn't ideal um but I, i i will get back into it again also, I had a keepsake item. You get to pick like an item when you're char- creating a character. You can pick nothing if you want, if you're that kind of person. Or you can just pick a random thing. It doesn't tell you what the hell it does. I'm like, oh, this seems cool. It does. It actually does tell you. Where? You have to flick through. There's other buttons you can press to change the menu. Yeah. It changes the windows in the menu to tell you the description of the items. You just have to press one button. And it tells you at the bottom of the screen which button to press. It's all right in front of your face. This is literally the fucking gun from Bloodborne all over again. No, this is worse because, like, these are... I shouldn't have to grapple with the interface just to read a description of something. This is worse because this is is every From Software game is, like, you have a menu, you bring it up, and you look at an item, and then there's four pages for that item that's, like, this item gives plus 10 to your poise, and it's minus... 37 for having your world perception over light and then you go to the next page and it's got a single line of text that's like the dark one came and then he went and then you go to the next page and it says something like also hey this thing it it makes it so that you can attack people sometimes if you're in the right conditions and that's how every from software game has has like four pages for every item that you look at and so that's to me it's worse than the gun that's how because they tell he's, the story. he's played other from software hey, games. Hey, you know what? At least I didn't run around playing this game for like eight hours not knowing how to sprint. John. They don't tell you how to sprint, and that's fine. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I've ended up figuring it out. I'm sorry. Walk around, not run around. Did I? Did I complain about it? No. I just figured <laughs> just it out. Must have been some seriously slow expo- exploration there. Maybe that's why you yeah, found more stuff horse, than I did. Man. The only the problem I was having was I kept running into enemies that were like outrunning my horse, and then I read online something about how like oh you can sprint, and I'm like what do you mean you can sprint? Like I thought I was sprinting. You were trotting, not galloping. Because some of the controls are a little wonky. When you hit the L3 uh, button, it doesn't make you run faster. It makes you crouch. So it yes. has like you know what I you know, do. Some- Some differences in control that don't quite make sense in the scope of the larger scope of all video game uh, history. It's fine. Like once you get into it, I I get it. But for me, 
Like, I was trying to pick this up after playing, like, a dozen hours of Horizon. So I was constantly trying to sprint, but instead of just teabagging the ground constantly. And <laughs> yeah, every time much... I would go to crouch or slide, I would use one of my stupid items. So I used all five Ooh. of them up, not even knowing what the heck they do. Brian can't possibly be this bad at this game. <laughs> it was... It was... <laughs> I don't know. It's literally how I felt playing Friday the 13th after playing 12 hours of Destiny. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyways. Can we just rename the podcast to three guys that are bad at video games? (laughs) The Midwest video game dunces. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, We should make a show that's just called You Can't Possibly Be This Bad at This Game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Anyway, Elden Ring. Look forward to more of this next time. Elden Ring, it is a From Software game. If you like a challenge, if you like Skyrim, if you like exploring things, and if you like getting your ass beat, this is the game for you. Also, let me say that all the signs in the game by the players in the beginning area, there's so many of them, and almost all of them say, try finger, but whole. Because... <laughs> You can turn those off using the multiplayer menu. Yeah, but if you it'd turn be nice if they were how, useful, though. How, like, if I found you... one of them that said, hey, like, in a cryptic way, go east to get the fucking horse. But no. So they don't well, say anything like, like that. They're, they're not helpful. They're, they're extremely they're distracting. And they're, yeah, they're totally meant, they're just troll. Because in a game where you're focusing on exploration and, like, walking around and doing things and, like, finding secret ledges and things... When you walk up to it, like a, a you know an actual like cliff, and it says "try jump," you're like, "Oh, okay," and then you just fucking jump. <laughs> no, that's hilarious to me because that's because you're obvious. like, "Oh, maybe I'll land it somewhere cool. Maybe there's this ledge underneath here with a secret item on." That's it. the risk you take with this game because if you jump off of that thing, either you like land behind a boss that then you can then one shot, or you die. It could go either way. Exactly. You never actually know. You might be passing up the most powerful weapon in the game. Because you don't believe that, like, rolling through this thicket is going to, like, lead you to some secret nah, man. chest. I'm sweet. I, with my, I'm, I'm, I have the most powerful weapon with the Gucci Katana. That thing is dope. For now. When you said that, I was just imagining, like, a Forza level, like, customization thing for the sword <laughs> where you could just put the Gucci logo all over the sword. The shit's all gold, and it, it carves the Gucci <laughs> symbol into the side of everything that I kill. <laughs> It's a, it's a cattle the prod Katana. with the Gucci logo on the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyways. the game that, we, that we've that we played 10 to 13 to 18 hours of. Speak for yourself. Horizon Forbidden West. 17 uh, hours and 16 minutes, I think I was at. Or no, 16 like hours and 17 minutes. Sorry. I'm at like 18 hours at this point, I think. And I I, I believe I'm about a third of the way into the game is my understanding. Potentially. Maybe less. Who knows? They might be different. The IGN walkthrough has three sections, and I'm through the first section of three, basically. Anyway. Horizon Forbidden West, sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, which was a new IP for the PlayStation 4, last generation. It's a third-person action game, open world. Uh, Set in the post-post-apocalypse. There's machine dinosaurs. They want to kill you. You want to know why. And now there's a sequel to that. There's still machine dinosaurs. They still want to kill you. Even more annoying ones. They still want to know why. Yep. Um, 
I recently, listeners might remember, I tried to pick Zero Dawn back up to play it. I couldn't really click in with it, and I was worried. But uh, it turns out there was no reason to be worried, and that I still uh, enjoy some of the gameplay of Horizon, even though I'm bad at the combat still. I just don't, I don't know. It's hard to me. There's like... It is hard. They've added a lot of... You have weapon stamina now, and you can get different skills on the skill tree that are, like, literally, you press a button to use, like, a super kind of thing. Um, And I don't, I, like, never want to use them because I'm like, what if I need it later? So I just don't ever use it, which is fun because that's who I am. Are there going to be, like, video game therapists in the future that, like, help you play video games better because you just have all these old notions of, like, I'm never going to use don't these don't give items. that think, idea away. I think you just invented our next career path. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can spend that gill. You know? That's, it, that's what I would you need. You don't have to hoard all of your potions. <laughs> Use your potions. Use them. Okay, you're using too many potions now. That's don't, too many potions. That's, yeah. Um, so, so that I think that, and like, you know, laying out traps is still a thing. You can like sneak up on these, on these robot dinosaurs, lay out traps. It's so here's the thing. This game is more of the same. It is more of horizon zero. Dawn. A lot more, a way more of it. It's it, the landmass is gigantic. It's huge. Uh, I haven't seen the full width of it yet. Um, did you and- zoom out? Uh, yeah, no, I, I I zoomed out, but I haven't been to the other side. I'm like maybe halfway through it in terms of like where I've actually traveled at this mm-hmm. point, and that's yeah. kind of like mostly a straight line because I'm I'm doing a lot of the main quest. I did some of the side quests to kind of get myself up to the recommended level to keep doing the story, that kind of thing. But I haven't done a ton of the side activities, just a few here and there. Um, and I think in terms of like differences between this game and the previous game this game has the inclusion of like different gadgets that kind of lock you off metroid style from being able to progress in different areas there's one that's kind of like a grapple hook that lets you pull things off or it lets you like grapple hook to something there's another one that lets you like blow up these red crystals that'll explode if you have this ability to do it yet I think there's going to be one that's like a rebreather thing that lets you uh, swim you underwater. You still don't have that? I don't have it. Ugh, I need that so bad. And then um, there's also a, you get you get a kite. You get like a glider. Like in Breath of the Wild, you can glide in this one now to it's go to places. It is very nice. It makes it makes traversal even even smoother and. Uh, there's a lot of verticality now, which is cool, and you just get to see these really awesome vistas. The first game was gorgeous. This game is probably the best-looking video game I've played so far. Ever? Ever. Like, I don't... It's pretty. It's very it's pretty. It's incredible. Like, I, I almost never spend any time in the photo mode in video games, and today there was a moment... First of all, nighttime gets so dark that I can't see anything at all, which is... Mm-hmm horrifying and also kind of cool and also bad but great and then (laughs) there was one point when i was walking through it was nighttime and i was kind of like walking up this this valley or whatever and then all of a sudden the tips of the mountains in the valley just started glowing bright fucking red and i was like is some am i gonna get like is is godzilla gonna like drop a his fire breath on me right now or something 
and I turned around and I just saw the sun rising and I was like, holy fuck. Like it, it was, it was incredible. And so I took some of those pictures that's up on our, our Twitter. If you want to check it out. I've never but seen like, a sunrise so beautiful. In, it was, in a, it's great. It, honestly. Better like, than real life. Dude, you live, you live in real life, bro. I know I live in real life. I don't live at mountains. I don't That's get true. to we like, don't live yeah. at mountains. So it's kind of like, you know, like it's nice to see the sunlight hit the target sign sometimes, but <laughs> it's not the same as, you know, a valley. So that's pretty great. Um, but And the sun crested over the top of the Southfield Town Center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Fifth Third logo was a bright red this morning. <laughs> the Fifth Third logo glowed with the rage of a thousand suns. <laughs> That's the next. I heard that was some of the the lore from the next Souls game. It's in Elden. It's, Ring it's actually in Elden Ring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The fifth third logo is the fifth in the third, game. Yeah. When you find the fifth, anyway. Uh, it's the fifth third glowing tree is what's in the middle of the whole <laughs> game world. <laughs> so, so, I say it's more of the same. The story I think starts to get interesting about thirteen to fifteen hours into this game, which I think is a problem, but it's not that much of a problem because I got there. Um Yeah, I was having enough fun to where it it distracted me. I didn't care that the story didn't ramp up until then. Let me let me preface it by saying when the first game finished before I saw the post credit scene in the first game, I was like, this is a great game. The story's perfect. We could just it we're done. And then I watched the post credit scene. I was like, oh, of course they want to make another one. And so I'm I was in this game. I was skeptical walking into it if they would really do something that would pique my interest. And they did. It just took a, a good amount of time, which I get if some people might bounce off of it before then. Um, but the acting is still incredible. You know, the voice work is great. The world building that they're doing with everything, the new things that you learn about all fit in very well. It doesn't feel like anything's shoehorned in, which is great. Um, so far at least. And, um, like, I think, you know, I'm kind of bummed. The haptics are kind of stupid. Yeah. Except there's a mission that I just got to the, the, one of the story missions at the end of the first third. It was the first time that they did interesting things with it, and I mm. like I almost think it was like bugged or something. Like I was like, "Is this are they really only going to use it here for something interesting?" Which is kind of weird. Um, so Brian, you can we can talk about that later. Um, and really, my only complaint that I have about this game is something that could have been shared with the first one, and it's kind of a double-edged sword. I hate that there's so many different resources. In terms of like being able to upgrade different types of weapons and upgrade your gear, there's there's millions of resources. The reason why it's a double-edged sword is because it's kind of cool that you can just like be like, I need this type of resource, so you track that type of monster, you go to that monster, and then you have to literally like hit that component to pull it off before you kill the monster to be able to use it in your resource use. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like. I think is really unique and interesting about this game. But at the same time, there's just so many of them that it's all kind of meaningless to me. Like, it's just kind of like, Oh, you get this lens from this type of monster, or you get another lens from this one, or you have an antler from this guy versus an antler from that guy. And there's no like rhyme or reason to like what weapons use, which type of upgrade, that kind of thing. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. There's a lot of it. 
And the same thing goes for all the different type of elements that you can use on the monsters, I think. There's a lot of different types of elements. You can get them in different forms of weapons and traps. But there's just so many different kinds of them. I kind of wish that they figured out a way to make the monster encounters more unique. Other than just like, hey, they rush at you and they hit you with really painful shit. And then you die because you're bad at the combat. <laughs> That's what I experience most of the time. But Brian, what are what are your thoughts on Forbidden West as one of your most anticipated games of the year? Um, if not the most. Well, I would have to agree with you. It looks phenomenal on PS5, and that, and even in uh, performance mode, I'd say it still looks great. Same. Yeah, I'm playing in performance mode it, as well. It definitely looks a bit better sharper in quality mode but that frame rate hit like is really bad like it's 30 fps maybe i would say it's capped at 30 fps but there were parts i was like i turned it on for a second in the desert today and it was like chugging kind of so that's kind of a bummer performance mode runs great and i would say it probably is close to 50 or 60 frames per second most of the time I did playing in performance mode. I had an issue at one point where I was getting stutters and then I re I, I quit my, the game and then I loaded my save again and it went away. Oh, cool. FYI. So I haven't had any bugs like that. I had like a person that was trapped in a rock, but luckily I was able to still kill them. Otherwise it, I would have had to restart. That's it, just cruel. The man's already stuck in a rock and then you got to kill him. Yeah, well, I needed to be able to use that campfire, you know, and oh, clear out enough. the uh, the camp. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a lot more of the same, and in a a lot in many different ways, like in every way, I would say. Like yeah. there are more. There are already a bunch of new enemy types. Mm-hmm. Um. There's new weapon types. There's new. There's a lot of new, like combat abilities, both yeah. with the ranged weapons and the melee. Like combat is more fleshed out now. There's like combos you can do and stuff. Um, big big skill trees, and you get skill points for literally anything that you do, pretty much. Yeah, and that like is great but also it feels a a bit overwhelming and and i forget Mm -hmm. to use all of the tools at my disposal but i'm getting to a point in the game where i feel like i need to learn how to use them better because i'm gonna i'm encountering the larger creatures that are definitely going to require more planning and better combat i've been pretty sloppy about my combat so far i i got really damn good at the game the first one to where like I could take down the largest enemies without even getting hit. And, but it took me a while to get to that point. And I'm not playing on like the harder difficulty either. I'm playing like not the normal. easiest, but like normal, I guess I think. Yeah. Um, the first one, I, I think I had restarted on like a new game plus on hard just, and it was fine. For the most part, I, there's no way I would have finished the expansion that way, though. The expansion's way harder. Um, but, yeah, like like you said, the story um, seems pretty basic at first, and then 
there's a crazy like twist and um now i'm just wondering what the hell's gonna happen i don't really know mm-hmm. where it's going to be honest yeah. um but that's cool uh, yep. I'm, I'm here for it um and i do feel like we're gonna see some good character growth and stuff in the game and that'll be cool too because aloy is a pretty good character overall Mm -hmm. um i would say yeah this game the beginning sequence is definitely not as exciting as the the first game where you get to play as like young aloy and understand why she's an outcast and all that that was all compelling i felt but now yeah yeah whatever now she's the messiah and you walk around doing messiah things basically and you yeah. know you don't have it's not you don't have to do the proving you don't have to prove that you should be worthy of not being an outcast and that type of thing yeah that's yep i am uh definitely looking forward to playing more one of my cats is trying to prevent my progress most of the days i try to play <laughs> and it's but hopefully i can find a solution to that Maybe he's corrupted by the Hephaestus. Uh, it's it's possible. Uh, subroutine. Yeah, you need to you need to you need to take care of that infection. So, Horizon Forbidden West. I'm sure we will talk about more. I'm sure future. we will eventually do a spoiler cast of it. Yeah, I'd really like to, for sure. Did you guys get hard copies or no? No, I did. I did. Okay. I bought the PS4 version because you can get it for $10 cheaper than the PS5 version. And this is the last game they're going to let you do that with for first-person Sony games. Yeah, I bought so. a digital PS4 copy and upgraded to PS5 for free. Gotcha. I, I yeah, wanted I'll probably to, just wait till they give it to me. So Yeah, I meant to throw... I wanted to throw it into my PS4, which I don't really have plugged in anywhere anymore, just to see fidelity-wise. There's a really good Digital Foundry video about it. Apparently, a ton of the cinematics in... The PS4 version are pre-rendered, but they run in real time on the PS5, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Sweet. News time. Do it. All right. There's a lot of news to get through. We'll try to do it kind of quick. We've been going long. Sony has revealed the first look at the headset design for PlayStation VR 2. Uh, it's available on the PlayStation blog. The thing looks like uh, it's kind of like a it's like the Oculus Quest and the PlayStation VR had a baby. Is kind of how I'd put it. Um, you got uh, the cameras that are on the headset. You're no longer going to need a camera connected to the PlayStation anymore. One cable connecting to the front of the PS5, which is sweet. And then you got uh, some touch controllers that have rings around them, pretty similar to the Oculus controllers. Uh, and some of the other VR controllers, kind of standard uh, standard fare for, for VR. There's also a lot of people are happy because there's uh, some venting in the in the headset, which will make it hopefully a little less sweaty, because uh, that was an issue with the first headset. Um, and yeah, I think it looks very nice. I'm excited to see how much it's going to cost. I hope it doesn't cost too much, because I would like one. Any comments on the PlayStation VR 2? Looks great. Yeah, no, it looks great. Um, I'd probably have to get rid of my PSVR 1. Current PSVR. Now's probably a good time to do that. Think so? Before this thing comes out. 
because I feel yeah. like value is only going to drop when everybody's trying to offload theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. Me as a video game historian, I'm just going to try to keep mine until I have a large pile of trash that I need to sleep on because I keep too many things. <laughs> <laughs> you can put the headset on to block out light when you're trying to sleep. That's true. That's true. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, Polygon reported shortly after our last episode, Nintendo is shutting down the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShops in 2023. There's like a standard rollout here. Mar- late March 2023 is the closure. Um, but to kind of outline a little bit, we've got uh, in May 23rd of this year, you will not be able to add funds to your eShop account using a credit card. You'll only be able to do it with a Nintendo eShop card. And then on August 29th, you won't be able to add funds that way either. So there will be no way to purchase things unless you've already added funds before the 29th of August. And then finally, March 2023, you won't be able to buy anything anymore. You will be able to download things you've already downloaded previously um, for some time, some unspecified time after this closure. The, uh, yeah, the Polygon article notes that there are 300 virtual console games on the Wii U eShop. Nintendo 3DS has 191. There's something like 300 or 400 eShop exclusive downloadable games that you will not be able to play or purchase in any way after the Wii U sh- and the and the 3DS shut down. Hmm. These eShops. So that's the biggest bummer to me. The other thing is like as somebody who collects a lot of old games and sees the prices that some of these things command, even things that are on 3DS, like if you want any of the Pokemon games that came out on 3DS, you're going to be paying like anywhere from 60 to $160 for maybe even just a cartridge of this game when it used to cost thirty nine ninety nine. But right now, you can go on your 3DS eShop and download it for $39.99. And you won't be able to do that anymore after these eShops close. So, like, it's super frustrating and really sad. And it sucks that there won't be a legal way to get these games after the 20, after 2023. Like, and Nintendo just doesn't care. So... You know, that's uh, that's how it is. Do you think it's so. just a bottom line thing? Like, are they just losing money by keeping these open? <clears throat> For sure. Yeah. yeah. The resources that it takes to serve the shops, to keep doing small updates or whatever, to keep the credit card transactions secure and whatnot. Like, yeah, they just don't want to spend the headcount on it. They don't want to spend the server space on it. You know, they still got to keep it all up there for people to mm-hmm. download, but they'll cancel that at some point, too. So, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it sucks and there's gotta be a better way. And hopefully, you know, I'm sure most of these games you can probably pirate. I hope that's the case. Cause at least then there will still be a way to play some of these exclusives that are going to go away, but it's just be really sad. funny. Like with as strict as Nintendo is about their IP, if they were just like, listen, like just, just pirate it, just use an emulator. <laughs> See, but the thing, one of the things Jeff Gersman talked about on the Giant Bobcast when they talked about this is that Nintendo, through the ESA, has been lobbying against the idea of, like, museums and libraries being able to allow people to play these video games in that type of setting. 
Like they want to make sure that that can't happen. They're pushing legislation to make sure that you cannot enshrine these things in like a playable form in, you know, the public record basically. And so it sucks. It all sucks. It's all bad. They need to figure out a better way. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, why, why can't I boot up the Wii U and 3DS part of my, why can't, why can't they just put a Wii U and 3DS emulator? They do that already. Half of the switch games are Wii U games that are probably sitting in an emulator. Like just let me buy all that stuff on the new eShop, but clearly it doesn't work that way. As I said earlier, video games are hard. Anything online related is hard for Yep. Nintendo. So get your three DSs and two DSs and Wii U's before May twenty third if you want to buy any digital games. You can buy uh you can buy Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD for fifty nine ninety nine on eShop or you can pay hundred and seventy dollars for a a uh uh, a boxed copy on eBay, you know, so there's plenty of time to still not spend exorbitant amounts of money on these video games. Um, long time coming. There's a Bioshock movie in the works at Netflix. There's a deal between Netflix and take two. Uh, and they are working on, uh, bringing rapture to your Netflix screen. Could be good, um, could be terrible. Yeah, who knows? Uh, no real news about who's attached to it at this point in terms of like who's going to direct or anything like that. But uh, it's Mike hopefully. Flanagan. <laughs> hey, I that would get me actually interested. You know how in fucking it. sick that would be. That would be the <laughs> best version of that shit. That'd be pretty sweet. I'd be down for that. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. Excited to see what form it takes and uh, whether or not they'll figure out a way to make it interesting for people who quote unquote know the twist. So uh, Nintendo announced Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are coming later this year. So you have a full new Pokemon game coming out later this year. There's already been one that came out last month. There's going to be another two that come out later this year. Crazy. But are they going to be as cool and unique Probably not, because they're on, like, what, number 9,000 in terms of how many Pokemon they made, but uh, the trailer makes it seem like they are incorporating the Arceus playstyle into the mainline games, which is pretty sweet. You can see the Pokemon out in the wild, that kind of thing. It's pretty early on, though, so uh, interested to see more of it, interested to see if it actually comes out in 2022, as they are saying it might, so... Yeah, uh, eight layer dip official in the chat says, "Wow, so soon for Pokemon, huh?" And yeah. I agree. Like that's kind of crazy that they literally just dropped Arceus earlier this month, mm-hmm. and now they've announced two more. Unless and, they're just trying to ride that wave, I don't know. I mean, Arceus did grab a lot of attention with its changes. So. Well, and we're like two or three years away from uh, from Sword and Shield, which was the latest kind of dual release Pokemon game that came out. They did updates of Diamond and Pearl that came out in November, this past yeah. November, and now they had Arceus in in January, like the end of January, and now we're going to have two more in 2022. So, a lot of Pokemon. If you love Pokemon. It's out there. So, I mean, 
that's the thing. Pokemon Go is so popular. Like, I know people who don't even play the regular games that play Pokemon Go, you know? Yep. So. Yeah. By the way, with the 3DS and Wii U eShop stuff, uh, there are ways to get all of your Pokemon from, like, the first generation into Sword and Shield and presumably Scarlet and Violet when those come out. So you need to get a 3DS and you have to get Pokemon Bank and the Pokemon Transporter or whatever. And that's the only way you can round up all of the Pokemon and get them into one game. What's the point? That's going to go away. You got to collect them all. The point of the app. (laughs) Got to catch them all is the log line of the video game. And if the only way to catch them all is with a 3DS. Yeah. You have to collect them all. Uh, Bethesda is dropping its launcher in favor of a return to Steam. Brian, you're happy about this. So happy about it that I didn't read the article that you guys posted and I reposted about it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm super great. happy about it because I can, I don't know my login info for that launcher cause it sucked and I don't feel like resetting it and now I just won't need it. And also, I don't feel like I should have to log in to their stupid service to play a single-player game. Yeah. There's a bunch of games, like all the Bethesda games, pretty much are on Game Pass now. But I tried Mm -hmm. a couple of them through the the X Cloud or whatever it's called, and I had to log in to the Bethesda account, so I just didn't bother. Yep. Yeah, so that should be going away, which will be nice. I've never interacted with the Bethesda launcher, and I'm glad, and I hope I never have to. Um, hopefully, maybe Battle.net will go the same way. Battle.net's a, a solid client, and there's there's a use for it, because there's a bunch of games that run through that, but who knows, maybe... If anything, I, what I would like to see is Battle.net and xbox game pass like merging into one item yeah maybe battle.net sticks around and xbox game pass is served through battle.net yeah that would <laughs> be pretty go. good actually yeah so there was another article john posted about uh gabe newell talking about whether or not there would be like a steam pass like game pass and he said no but they'd love to work with microsoft to get game pass through 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 steam uh that's my ideal case I don't want to use the Xbox app ever again because it's a horrible situation. It's uh, not great. And it it kind of messes with some of the other things going on on my PC sometimes. So I have to like shut it down. Yep. Yeah. For the record, I think we should note that like there's nothing stopping anyone from putting Windows on the Steam Deck and just being able to Correct. use Game Pass. Like that is entirely possible, but they want to make they're saying they're willing to help Microsoft make an actual like native Steam Deck app that does I- it. I haven't looked into it. Is there is there full Windows drivers available for the Steam Deck right now? I, I don't know. I, I also have not looked into that. I probably should, seeing as I'm planning on doing that. But it could be plug and play or whatever. But yeah, so that's the and one there was, thing there's I was that concerned one, about. That one guy who put up the article about how you could um, basically dual boot using an SD card with fast yeah. enough read write speed. So yeah, I did also read that. Uh, once they that uh, Google gives it the go ahead, there you will be able to run Stadia through the Chrome browser on the Steam Deck. Nice, that's cool. It's kind of a tongue twister. Google gives it the go ahead. Yeah, 
Well, I guess <laughs> they have it figured out or whatever, but they haven't like uh, made it live yet. Like the uh, the control scheme to, or whatever. To be able to use, yeah, because yeah, otherwise, like, because currently you're using mouse and keyboard through Chrome, or you can hardwire the Stadia controller to whatever device you're using. Mm-hmm. So, but I thought they, I thought they fixed it using like you can use it over Wi-Fi now too. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't. I know. don't know. Yeah. Because actually no, because I didn't. I did not have to. You don't have to hardwire it to use it with a Chromecast. Yeah, it just correct. does it. Yep. So. Yep. I don't know. It's not like Stadia has long to live at I'm this point. Anyways, excited right? for when you guys have Steam Deck, so I can at least. See I wonder one in if person. when they shut down Stadia, if we could buy some of those like AMD blades that they use. Like, if they'll just sell that shit. Who knows? I mean, they'll probably like. Well, the thing is, they're selling it. They'll as just like keep a, them. There's only like ten of them, anyways. Like, <laughs> that's true. They're they're selling them. They're selling basically. They're shopping Stadia to people for, uh, uh using it as a cloud service. Like there is a thing where if you have AT and T internet, you could get Assassin's Creed Odyssey to play for free over streaming, and they used Stadia technology to serve that to people. So that's what Google's trying to do with Stadia now. It's like, be like, hey, uh, uh, Ubisoft, would yeah, you like so it to... Yeah, so it just becomes part of your cable package, essentially. Like, you well, get Stadia. But they're trying but to be not, like... It's not, tra- it's not uh, branded as Stadia. It's you're able to play this game over the internet on your television... Using Google using Stadia your, technology. Using your, new, using your new AT&T fiber that you just got installed. Yeah. Interesting. But or they're selling it to like individual publishers or developers or whatever, I mean, they, you know. They added the Stadia app to all of the smart TVs now, so you can you don't even need a Chromecast Ultra to do it. You can literally just use it directly through your television. I haven't tried to use it yet. I should break out my Founders Edition Stadia this weird white box that I'm holding up that's getting blurred out cuz it's yeah, Stadia. There you go. Uh, I should pull out that controller and use it on my TV. It's getting blurred out because it's pornographic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. There's all Next those George R. R. Martin boobies. Story. Uh, Jeff Grubb, one of the final true uh, games games journalists out there on Games B, he says PlayStation plans three Spartacus tiers for as much as sixteen dollars per month. Spartacus is the supposed combination PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus subscription service. His AKA re- you're only gonna get one from now on. They're not gonna have two. Like you're, yes. you're gonna be forced into it. Pretty much. So the the supposedly there will be PlayStation Plus Essential where you will still get your monthly games and probably allow you to play video games over the internet for $10 a month. There will be PlayStation Plus Extra, which includes a game catalog, maybe like the PlayStation Collection currently is for PS5 owners, or more expanded than that. And then there's PlayStation Plus Premium, which will also include the game streaming that you can do with PlayStation Now for PlayStation 3-type games, Uh, some classic games, no real elaboration on what that is, and game trials for $16 a month. Um, this is rumor, but Jeff Grubb usually has sources before he says things, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's true. Curious to see what the classic games includes. If it's PlayStation 
one and two and three and Vita and PSP. That'd be interesting. So I'd like for them to have a have a game pass. I still don't think this is gonna be that. I don't think they I don't think they'd put Horizon on this thing day and date when it releases, but who knows? So uh we already talked about this one. Finally Capcom announced Street Fighter Six in a little teaser that has a very wide version of Ryu and uh lots of sweat, big biceps, weird toe <laughs> movements. I don't know. It's it's weird. And then they have the last DLC character from from Street Fighter Five in the video as well. Um, and people are complaining about the logo because it looks like a stock logo you can buy in like the Adobe store or whatever. So that's, uh, that's where street fighter fans are at right now. You know, complaining about logos. Street fighter six potentially still will be a PlayStation exclusive. No real word on that yet. Like street fighter five was street fighter five was also on PC. Um, and they announced the Capcom Fighting Collection, which has a bunch of different fighting games, including Darkstalkers, Night Warriors, Vampire Hunter, Vampire Savior, all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, Red Earth, and some Street Fighter games. Uh, 35 years of Capcom Fighting Games they're going to celebrate with. Damn. Yeah. 35 years of the same control scheme. <laughs> 35 down years left, of you still Down not, left A for the fireball. Yeah, you still reliably can't pull off a Hadouken if your name is my name. Anyway, that's it. No, you can't pull off the fireball? I don't know. I haven't tried in a long time. I always thought the uppercut was the hardest. I mostly can't pull off anything in a Street Fighter game. I'm fine in Mortal oh, Kombat. gotcha. Just the way they gotcha. do the combos... Mortal Kombat, they call it dial combo because you just hit the buttons in the right order with a like, short enough time and it goes. But with Street Fighter, gotcha. it's like, you know, you have to do calculus in order to press the buttons at the right way. Yeah, you're actually comboing moves and not just, like, attacks. Yeah. Yeah. I can't press L2 and R2 in Street Fighter to, like, break somebody's ribs and see it zoom in on those ribs in slow motion. That's why I play Mortal Kombat. Right. Well, I think that does it. <laughs> For this very this tired a long, edition. It's a long one. This, Yeah, the After Dark series. Yes. If we finish this in the next couple minutes, we're still shorter than the last episode, which is the real surprising thing. Really? Yeah. What did we talk so much about? Who knows? Uh, remember. More Elden Ring next time. We know that. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know that there's a ton else. Gran Turismo 7 comes out. I don't think any of us are going to pick it up at the moment. But well, It depends on my financial situation, but I also have a, more than enough to play. It, it looked really pretty, but yeah, I don't know if I necessarily need it just because, again, I've, I've basically Elden Ring is going to ride me through for the next four years. Yeah. I don't know. So the baby's in kindergarten, basically. Uh, so. Unlike every other video game I play, I find uh, racing to be kind of therapeutic. Fair. I'm sure Gran Turismo is the opposite of that. Even if it is like challenging and frustrating, game. it's just something about 
especially actually when you it's lap races like that you just kind of get in a groove and you just stop thinking about other shit that's kind of nice fair enough drink a beer you know drive your car yeah legally the views of john morrell do not reflect the views of the midwest podcast network i don't even really drink so i'm just kidding it doesn't count Anyways, if uh, you want to follow us on social media or see other places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network now has a Patreon. Patreon is meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 per month. Help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K, Tom Z, Chris K, Alan K, Dave Steele, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quest. We're going to record Side Quest right after this, talking about a bunch of food and drink and stuff, I think. It's going to be 30 hours long. No, no, it's going to be eight hours long because we're all going to fall asleep as we're recording. It. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So, if you join the Patreon, not only do you get early access to those Side Quests, because they come out the day after the episode instead of on the off weeks like they do. Uh, for the regular feed, you also get access to our private Discord where you can check out Dave Steele's awesome pizzas and uh, all his good things that he likes to cook. And uh, you get to talk about cool movies and things with the horror movie yearbook guys and comic books and all kinds of other good stuff. So something to consider for as little as $1 a month. The Discord, I think, is 5 bucks. Or did you bump it down? No, it's still 5 bucks. Yeah, you got to give us 5 bucks, then you get Discord. Ha, suckers. Anyways, as always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitch as well as rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. We are Twitch affiliates. If you don't want to subscribe to the Patreon, but you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you can use Amazon Prime to subscribe to us on Twitch, and we get a little bit of money that we take directly from Jeff Bezos' pocket and put it into ours. And yeah, $2.50 every time you do it. We use it sometimes to buy Brian games. Well, we're we're gonna bankrupt Shh. Bezos. Two dollars and fifty cents at a time. Yep. He makes he makes that amount of money in like a millisecond. It's probably even a smaller. It's like a yeah, a smaller like a, denomination. A, a femtosecond. Anyways, more Elden Ring next time. We'll get Alex's opinion on it. He's got a glowing opinion of the Soul series. Loves Bloodborne. I think they're all great. Made. I think they're all great. I'm excited to beat this first boss and never touch it again. <laughs> the thing is, like, there are so many bosses. There's so many bosses I'm not gonna ever see. It's so it's I think <laughs> I think I think you're gonna put more time into this one than you have other Souls series games. I yeah. hope so. I, I the only reason I didn't play any of it yet is because I I wanted to make sure I got to a point where I knew I would want to come back to Horizon if I did put it down for a minute. So, for sure. No, I get it. Anyways, yeah, that's all. More Elden Ring next time, and who knows what else? I'm sure some awesome things in the gaming world are going to happen, and uh, we will see what that is. We'll check it out. So I'm I'm just babbling words now because I'm trying to pull up Beep Thirty on my phone, but okay. I already fucked it up. Anyways. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.